Sports media pundits are making lots of noise after Flyers defenseman Ivan Provarov refused to don a pride-colored jersey and rainbow stick tape on Monday night's pre-game warm-ups. Canadian officials announced Wednesday that the government will join a global coalition started by the World Economic Forum and U.S. President Joe Biden to influence markets and foster a net-zero world by 2050. And police are following up on new leads related to a church fire that happened last week in Rose Prairie, British Columbia. A House of Commons committee is launching a parliamentary inquiry into government contracts awarded to consulting firm McKinsey & Company. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, January 19th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Should NHL players have the right to refuse to participate in causes that they don't believe in? That's the question that's dominating the hockey world right now after Flyers defenseman Ivan Provorov refused to don a pride-colored jersey and rainbow stick tape on Monday night's pre-game warm-ups. Provorov said in a statement that the move stems from his religious beliefs. Here's what he said. Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would like, I would answer those. Just, uh, can you just clarify what religion hmm? is? Can you just clarify your religion? Russian Orthodox. So with the game tonight, Ivan, um, obviously Kevin Hayes had a hat trick and uh, Rasmus's first goal of the season. Can you walk us through the emotion that the team was feeling in that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Breakfast television host Sid Sexero called on the NHL to give the Flyers a million-dollar fine and for folks to attack Provorov for his beliefs. Other Canadian sports journalists joined in on the conversation, including the Toronto Star's Bruce Arthur disapprovingly. Meanwhile, the managing editor at Montreal Hockey Now accused Provorov of hateful behavior, and TSN sports journalist Pierre Lebrun claimed Provorov was, quote, hiding behind religion and not showing respect. The NHL later released a statement saying, quote, Players are free to decide which initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives on social and cultural issues. Rachel, this is quite something. I mean, I consider myself a proponent of gay and lesbian rights, but this is disproportional. I mean, there's a lot of noise over this. One player decided not to do it. I I don't know, just move on. That's exactly it. And obviously, you know, this is a matter of conscience for this individual. He did not feel comfortable donning that jersey, wearing that tape. So that's it. Just move on. He didn't do anything offensive. He's not obligated to wear that stuff as part of, you know, his contract with the NHL. You're exactly right. It's time to move on from this. Yeah, it's not like he was actively doing something to portray himself as homophobic or out-targeting anyone. He just chose not to do what other people were doing. It actually reminds me of a really funny Seinfeld episode where Kramer wants to participate in the AIDS walk to support uh, persons who are HIV positive and have AIDS. And he's in the walk, but then they say, you got to wear the AIDS ribbon if you're in the walk. And he says, I just want to be in the walk. I won't wear the ribbon. And they, they chase him down and a mob attacks him because he's not wearing the AIDS ribbon. It's uh, quite a classic scene there. And I feel like there's some similarities. 
Yeah, Seinfeld usually has a really good way of sort of tying the silly things that society does and taking it to the nth degree. I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. And you know, you're right, he isn't doing anything hateful. It is just a matter of conscience in this instant. But nowadays in society, if you don't outright support someone's lifestyle, it must mean that you hate them, which is obviously not the case. Sometimes you just have differences of agreement, especially when it comes down to religion. It's time as a society we get back to respecting those differences. Canada is now part of a global coalition started by the World Economic Forum and U.S. President Joe Biden, which aims to influence markets and foster a net-zero world by 2050. On Wednesday, Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne announced Canada would become a government partner to the First Mover Coalition, a global group of 69 green technology advocates from top corporations. The coalition says it will cooperatively influence seven industries that contribute 30% of global carbon emissions. The industries of aluminum, aviation, chemicals, concrete, shipping, steel, and trucking. Companies will use collective purchasing power to affect change, the coalition says. The goal is to cooperatively direct more money to technology that cannot yet compete with carbon-intensive technology. Anthony, it's no surprise to see the government signing onto this initiative. We've seen so many things like this from the government. They have such a big focus on carbon emissions right now, on moving to net zero technology. You know, here in Alberta, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith has been very vocal. The industry is getting there on its own and they don't need the federal government to interfere. Do you think that's the case for most private companies across Canada that they're looking at net zero and they're saying, hey, this is the future? Or do you really think the government needs to get involved and sort of force their hand? I'm reminded of an editorial board meeting I had back at Post Media in 2015 during that year's election when Elizabeth May came by our office and sat down with us for discussion on her platform and policy issues. And one thing that she was really trying to convince us on was that it was in the best interests of business to follow these XYZ policies for reducing emissions that she was putting forward. And I kind of thought, well, if they're so great for their bottom line, because one of the things that Miss May was saying was that businesses will save money, it'll just be better for them all around. Well, then they are already incentivized to do that. They don't need the government to force them to do that. So just if it's so great for them, let them do that. And, and I think there's a lot to be said that reducing your inputs is obviously reducing your costs. It's more efficient for you. And that's why a lot of companies do this. The fact they should do it according to government timeline, I don't think government knows best. And on this announcement, you know, there was a number of Canadians who were unhappy that the government had a presence at the World Economic Forum. There's so many issues happening in Canada right now, especially with the affordability crisis. I just find it a little hard to believe that for those Canadians, this is the priority for them, that they're going to be excited about this announcement. Rachel, that's such an excellent point, because I think we suffer from such disproportionality when it comes to the pressing issues. It's almost every week that the federal liberal government of Justin Trudeau has a new announcement related to climate change issues, reducing emissions in this or that industry. I mean, it's almost a singular obsession for them. Right now, we know inflation is a major concern. Cost of living is an issue. Where are the announcements about that? There are far, far fewer announcements on that issue, which impacts our daily lives in the here and now, than on this issue. On Wednesday, Fort St. John RCMP told True North that investigators will speak to witnesses over the next few days about a fire at Upper Pine Gospel Chapel. This comes as the chapel was set ablaze and destroyed on Friday, becoming the 71st instance to be added to True North's ongoing list of churches that have been burned or vandalized since the middle of 2021. Now, earlier this year, RCMP in Alberta declared an overnight church fire in Hay Lakes, Alberta, as intentional. 
In addition, on Monday, police in Hamilton, Ontario, said they arrested a 49-year-old man of no fixed address after he allegedly attempted to burn a 168-year-old church on New Year's Eve. Rachel, we definitely had a number of church burnings happening in a very short period of time back in 2021. It seems we're seeing a few others as well. Could this phenomenon be recurring now? I mean, it definitely seems that way. 71 churches since the middle of 2021. That is an astronomical amount. I think it's time for an inquiry into why this is happening. And we're not even hearing anything about it. I had a reader actually reach out to me and say, are you aware of the church burnings that have been happening? And pointed to two of the most recent ones. And I said, no, I haven't heard. And he was like, I'm not surprised. There's really no one covering these issues. I'm glad here at True North we're keeping track of them. But I really think more needs to be done to look into what is going on here. The House of Commons Government Operations Committee voted unanimously on Wednesday to launch a parliamentary inquiry into government contracts awarded to the controversial management consulting firm McKinsey & Company. The firm recently came into the spotlight after it was revealed that the firm was awarded a 30-fold increase in funding from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government when compared to his predecessor, Stephen Harper. A large portion of McKinsey's work was billed by two departments, Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, and the Canadian Border Services Agency, making up 44%, or $24.5 million, of all contracts. According to Radio Canada, the company refused to answer questions about the kind of work it conducted for the Canadian government. Contract titles included work to, quote, develop and implement transformation strategies. MPs plan to ask McKinsey's senior Canadian executives to testify, including its former global managing director, Dominic Barton. Barton served as the chair of an advisory council for former finance minister Bill Morneau, and in 2019, Barton was appointed Canada's ambassador to China. Anthony, the story has been in the news now. It looks like MPs are actually planning to pursue this with a committee study. You know, we obviously have some ties to the Liberal government with Dominic Barton, who Trudeau appointed to Canada's ambassador as China. Do you think it's possible that this scandal could turn into the next We Charity scandal or the next SNC-Lavalin scandal? I think it certainly could, Rachel. Not so much because of the dollar value of the contracts and the number of them, although Canadians would probably be frustrated to see how there's been such a steep increase in that, but because of the idea that this outside consultancy firm seems to have so much influence and power in terms of how the government operates. A Quebec politician actually decried the relationship as McKinsey more or less being a shadow government in terms of their operations. I mean, are they de facto telling public servants what to do? Are they calling the shots in certain decision-making? I don't have the answer to that question, but I think those are questions that should be probed at this inquiry. Yeah, this next point, obviously it's a very good thing that this inquiry is happening. Hopefully we can actually get the answers that we're looking for and the opposition MPs are able to get the answers that they want. Sometimes at committees we run into these issues where people are able to dodge questions very easily and that's always a frustrating experience for those asking the questions, I'm sure, but also us viewers. So sounds like there's a lot to uncover here. I'm excited for this inquiry to get started. And a secondary question I have, Rachel, is what are the public servants who are paid pretty good money to do their jobs actually doing as well? When you have more and more outside consultancy brought in, is that in addition to the work of the public servants or are they just farming out the work to the consultants? I mean, they should be delivering the core services for Canadians. That's what they're paid for. So I think we also need to have a difficult conversation about that issue. Well, that's always a million dollar question when it comes to Ottawa's public service. Are we actually getting value for the millions and billions of dollars that we're putting into it? 
That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know, including our in-depth coverage of the World Economic Forum Annual Meeting live from Davos. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.